especially when they come from love and compassion and empathy from those that we love. And that is a guarantee, a guarantee, when we dive into God's word and we listen to his words. The psalmist who writes Psalm 119 with inspiration knows what it means to experience pain. We read this psalm and we read phases of him pleading out to God saying, when will you comfort me? How long must, you, must your servant endure? Help me. I'm severely afflicted. Or I'm suffering terribly. Save me. I rise before dawn and cry for help. Even in the midst of this writer's crying, it's a beautiful psalm of him finding peace and comfort in God's word. Words with good thought should wrap itself around us and embrace us and act as a shield against the pain that we receive from this world. And that is exactly what God's word does if we apply it correctly to our lives. As the psalmist appropriately says, look at verse 114. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Throughout the entire psalm, that is the writer's, quote, why, if you will, the assurance we have in him and his word. I know we make this point all the time, to read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, but it is so important. The longest psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible wouldn't be dedicated to his word if it wasn't important. It is very important. And that is why we can't shy away from it when... Our problems and our pains logically lead to God's word as application in our lives. And on top of that, it's not just reading it. It's studying it. It's meditating on it. It's applying it to our lives. The Bible is written in this Jewish meditation literature, which basically means that even in the smallest details is something that we can grab a hold on and apply to our lives. And that is one of the amazing things about God's word is that it's more than just a piece of fiction we take off the shelf, we enjoy its story, and then we put back on the shelf. It's more than just a piece of nonfiction we grab only as reference material. Look at verses 47 to 48 of this chapter. It tells us the attitude that we should be having with God's word. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. As we can see, God's word is meant to be read, applied, and meditated on day and night so as to enrich our lives. Look at 130, verse 130. The unfolding of your words gives light and imparts understanding to the simple. Despair is a pit of darkness. What we need is peace and comfort. And it's found in the hope of God's word. God's words enlighten us and enrich our lives. And if that doesn't give us hope, then what does? Look at verses 25 and 28. 25 and 28. Kind of says it all here. When he says, my soul clings to dust. And what does he ask? Give my life according, give me life according to your word. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. I was talking to Kathy V the other day. You probably know her as Kathy Volante, but Kathy V, uh, I like calling her Kathy V. But I was talking to her, and she made the point that if we just spend a few more minutes in God's word, then we will have peace. We can find peace. And she's absolutely right. 
just a couple more minutes, just a little longer, and there will be peace. Too often we have the habit of opening up our Bible, saying that doesn't apply to us, and then closing the Bible. But if we are really listening, there is peace. And when we are in pain, sorrow, and grief, and our face is on the floor, it's in God's word that we can find peace in the midst of our pain. But like a breadcrumb trail, God's word naturally is going to lead to other places that we can find that peace, that peace in our pain. And it starts with verses 105 and 106 of Psalm 119. When he says, and we, we sing this all the time, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath, 106 is important, I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. Just as the word of God is a light in our pit of despair, it lights up our path. God's word illuminates hidden obstacles that may be in our way and sets us up for success against those obstacles. Because now we know we can see what's in front of us. Now we know where we're going. And in addition to that, now we know what to do on that path because of his righteous rules. So what are we supposed to do? We keep his righteous rules. And that is key. That is a key to finding peace in the midst of our pain. We find peace in God's righteousness as we walk in his ways. Now righteousness, according to human standards, like most of us already know, is just acting moral. But the righteousness we follow today as disciples of Christ are the standards God sets before us, which are higher and more profound than the morals and standards of any man, culture, or government. And a small piece of that means doing what is right, even when it's difficult, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, no matter the pain. That means going the extra mile, even in our pain. When we're in pain and things aren't going our way, sometimes we have a tendency to view and play the victim card and to say, you know, it's, everything is against me. And we read Job, we saw his complaints, we saw his frustrations earlier, and we understood them to be valid. But where are those complaints and frustrations directed? Are they directed to sinful action? Or are they directed to God, which automatically leads to righteous action? Paul says in Galatians 6, 9 through 10, what we should be doing when he says, and let us now grow, not grow weary, of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are in the household of faith. One of the greatest feelings in the world is doing good for others, is loving other, other people. And yet it's so difficult for us to get out of our own minds and put others ahead of us. And it's not even the big things. It's the small things as well, whatever that may be for you, whether that's paying for the person in front of you, paying for the person behind you, praying for this person, listening and having empathy with this person's situation. One of the most draining feelings is not doing anything, doing nothing, when we know we should be doing something, or even constantly ignoring God's word and remaining in sin. And whatever our cause of pain is, there's a grind that can exhaust us and just keep grinding. And Paul tells us to combat that evil, combat that despair, combat that pain with good. When he says in Romans 12, verses 20 through 21, 
If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That can be applied to our pain. You ever been, you ever been in a dark room? Well, I'm sure you have. But <laughs> you ever been in a dark room where the only light source is the light on the other side of that door, illuminating? Kind of the door's acting as an eclipse in a way. Well, in similar fashion, when we're in our pain and our despair, one of the best ways of getting out of that darkness is walking toward that door that is illuminating on the other side. And that means doing the small things that are righteous in God's sight, inching our way toward that door. And so if we go back from Romans 12 to Romans 8, Look at verses 3 through 6. Romans 8, verses 3 through 6. Paul tells us where God's righteousness fits in our life. Romans 8, verses 3 through 6. He says, By sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Even in our despair and pain, we need to walk by faith and let His righteousness be what we live by and give us peace. Walking in the Spirit will not be easy. It's not always going to be easy, especially if we're in pain, but living a life that doesn't please God is not going to heal us. It's not. It's only going to make it worse. And so we read verse 3 there, and we find that this is all only possible because of the son, His Son's sacrifice. God's Son, Jesus, who sacrificed Himself. Peace and pain would be impossible without Jesus Christ, our Savior. And if we're going to find peace and comfort, then we have to go to the great physician himself. We have to also remember that while Jesus was on this earth, he did a lot of good for a lot of people. Even when it was difficult, even when people were really difficult to deal with, even in the hard times, he didn't keep himself from doing what is right. And to an extent, because I know we're human, we have to follow in that same example. Let's look at one of those examples. John 9. Let's turn to John 9, if you will. John 9, verses 1 through 7. When Jesus heals this blind man, as you're turning over there, I want to remind you again of Job. Job is suffering, and his friends, if you know the story, comes to encourage him and ends up actually criticizing him, saying his suffering is because of a sin or a secret sin that he needs to repent of. And Job, despite his pain, defends his innocence. I want us to keep that in mind. It's very important. I want us to keep that in mind when we read this passage in John 9, verses 1 through 6. As it says here in verse 1, as Jesus passed by, 
he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, night is coming, when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground, made mud with his saliva, and then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Salaam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. It is so interesting how some saw this man's situation as somehow caused by his sin. As it says in verse 2, his disciples are saying, And that's the same worldview that Job's friends had when they were criticizing him, saying he needed to repent. But what does Jesus make clear? It was so the works of God might be displayed in him. Verse 3. The world comes with a lot of pain and suffering, and sometimes it's not a direct cause to us and our sin. Sometimes we could be experiencing pain out of our sin, or just the hard knocks of life. And tonight, this is for everyone experiencing some sort of pain, or that might experience pain in the future. And in the midst of our pain, we're always seeking peace, some sort of relief. And the blind man, he lived in darkness his whole life, probably experienced a lot of despair, and he received that relief in Christ. Jesus took care of people experiencing pain and searching for peace. And when we continue reading this chapter, the Pharisees come onto the scene and they start interrogating him. They can't believe him. And so they come to the same conclusion in verse 24. We know that this man is a sinner. We have to meditate and reflect on ourselves and see what is the cause of our pain. But we have to know, no matter the cause... The solution is always going to be the same, and that is the peace and comfort that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love what this man, the blind man here, says in verses 30 to 33, answering the Pharisees. Read that with me in verse 30 when he says, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This man took a leap of faith in his in his darkness, washed the mud away from his eyes and saw the beauty of God's creation, found hope in Christ and in Christ's words. And according to verse 38, through his belief, became a disciple of Christ. See, Jesus comforts us and gives us peace in much of the same way. It may, it may not be, it's not going to be a direct miracle of healing our blindness, but it may be a slow and gradual change that helps us see the light. Let's turn to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verses 2 through 12. And look at Jesus' words here on the Sermon of the Mount. Matthew 5, verses 2 through 12. Ah, ah, ah. Ah. 
I only have a few on the screen because I ran out of space. But if you have your Bibles, Matthew 5, 2 through 12, verse 2, and Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Drop down, look at verse 12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There's a pattern that we see in this passage. There's those that are going through pain and remain faithful, those that aren't going through pain and still remain faithful. All of those mentioned by Jesus can be led to a peace that comforts us every day, and that is the hope and insurance of eternal life. And this is, of course, accomplished through the salvation that we receive in Jesus. And that is why we can have comfort in Christ. Because we have a promise that was made by God that we would live with him forever in heaven. And in the midst of our pain, that is a comforting thought that we should hold dear and give us peace in our souls. Jesus said, what do you say? Blessed are those who mourn and what are they going to have? Comfort. Those who hunger for righteousness and they are going to be satisfied, poor in spirit, blessed with the kingdom of heaven. These are promises that in our pain we need to hold on to and use as encouragement in order to have peace when we're going through some hard times. I love what God also tells Job way back in Job 40 verse 7. He's demanding a response after his speech, and he says, get ready for a difficult task like a man. Life could be a difficult task. We're not guaranteed safety, health, wealth, or any of the things that Job lost. It's our job to trust in the Lord and submit to his complete knowledge and power. We have to come to terms with the fact that we don't have all the answers. God's not going to give us all the answers. And if we did have all the answers, it probably wouldn't make sense in this life. There will be pain in this life. And we have to be willing to trust in God and his wisdom and his understanding. And then we find much of that wisdom in his word. And that comes as a comfort to us in the midst of great pain. God's word, if we're truly honest, we're truly being honest, has the ability to change our lives and bring us that peace. And then we can use that wisdom we read about to guide us in our walk and live righteously, doing good to others, even when it's hard. And when we live righteously, it takes our mind off that pain and gives us comfort because we can project God's goodness on other people's well-being. And this is all because we're living a life of Christ. And it's in our pain that people should see Christ and the comfort that he gives our souls. He is the source of our peace and comfort. Physical pain will always be here on this, on this earth. But with Jesus, we can have great peace even when it hurts. Paul summed it up great in Colossians 3, 15 through 16. He says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we come to you.
so thankful for the lives that you've given us. Lord, you are our, our God, our maker, and creator of the universe. You know the whole world on an intimate level, Lord, just as you know our own hearts. And we pray for hearts that thirst after you and find comfort in your words. Lord, you are the living God, and we worship you, and we live for you. Our hope is in you, God, and we praise you, our salvation and our God. We ask, Lord, that you be with those that are struggling, that those that are in pain, that they find joy with you and where you are at, that they might find peace through you. We give thanks for your steadfast love and the peace our souls have through the salvation of your Son. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you are in some pain and you're needing the prayers of the congregation, we'd love to pray for you. You don't have to fight that pain alone. We're here for you. And maybe tonight, your sin is hitting you. You realize the weight of your sin, the weight of that separation from God, and you want to connect with Him for the first time. We encourage you to take this moment to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. We read the blind man, and listen to his words when Jesus asks him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answers, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Look at the confidence that he has. And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. We receive salvation through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And don't waste any time. Take, Take the moment now if you're willing to be baptized while we stand and we sing.